Welcome to Healthcare Mixtape, where we're curating the ultimate playlist of healthcare content that you may have missed the first time. Here we share bonus episodes and greatest hits from some of our favorite shows, as well as exclusive interviews with industry insiders, all focused on healthcare changemakers and the disruption of the now. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. I'm Jared Johnson, your playlist curator, and it's time to mix it up. All right, today we continue our Greatest Hits collection where we're replaying some of the top episodes from Healthcare Rap and other podcasts. Our episode today is titled Build, Buy, or Partner, and it originally aired in February 2021. This was our 150th episode of the Healthcare Rap, and we were so pleased to welcome our guest, Ben Tingey, Innovation Manager at Atrium Health and host of A Sherpa's Guide to Innovation podcast. Ben gave us the lowdown on digital health innovations that health systems need to provide a better consumer experience and how to choose whether to build, buy, or partner to make those solutions happen. This This was one of our earlier episodes to focus on the vision of a better consumer experience and the digital tools and infrastructure that are needed to execute on that vision. Since that's now one of the themes of the healthcare wrap, we wanted to share this episode as the next in our Greatest Hits collection. We hope you enjoy it. Check it out. Let the mix begin. All right, let's get deeper into the flow here. We've got Ben Tingey in the house. Ben is the innovation manager with Atrium Health, and he's host of A Sherpa's Guide to Innovation. It's a great podcast about healthcare innovation digital health, human-centered design, and, and lots more. Ben, welcome to the Healthcare Wrap. Thanks so much, Jared and Zane. Great to be here. Thanks for being here, Ben. How is it sitting on the other side of the microphone? Uh, it's uh, It feels a little strange, but uh, I guess a podcast is a podcast, but uh, I'm excited to be talking with both of you. This is, this is going to be a fun conversation. I think just from the pre-show, just when we were chatting right then, it's there, there's no... There's no scarcity of awesome things that are going on right now, but let, let's give us a, a chance to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, why don't you tell us about the latest awesome thing that you've heard about? I've been on this track of uh, studying behavioral economics. We've had a few mm. of our podcast guests talk about that, and I've really been getting into this idea of something called behavior nudges. And it started this past summer, I was at Stanford D school and and I kind of hatched this idea. And then I found this startup company that was doing something really similar. And this startup company has been blowing my mind. It's a company called Humu, H-U-M-U. And it was started by Laszlo Bach, who was the former chief people officer at Google. He was the one that led the teams when they did all that research on psychological Mm -hmm. safety and, and all that stuff. And This idea of behavior nudges is what is the minimal behavior change we can make that will result in the highest marginal impact. Oh, wow. And uh, so it's this really cool idea of, of, you know, thinking about it potentially from a leadership development standpoint, or if you're trying to inculcate more innovation behaviors, it's like what small thing could people change that will result in the biggest outcome. And uh, to go along with that, there's this great book that came out recently called Eat, Sleep, Innovate, which is, uh, it came out of a group from Innosight, which is this consulting firm. It's all about fostering innovation behaviors in large organizations. And they talk about behavior nudges as well. So I've, I've been geeking out about that lately. Well, you know, you might also enjoy a, a connection. I need, I need to connect you with Karen Horgan. She's with a group called Aval, a V-A-L, 
uh, health behavioral economics and uh, had her as a guest on the Paradigm Shift Healthcare podcast. Cool. And uh, yeah, like my mind was blown. Like she was talking all about like just the last mile of healthcare. That's what they described it as, like just being laser focused on how do you, she may have used that term behavior nudges. Now, as you say that, now I want to go back and, and listen. It was it was a few months ago, but yeah, I love that. That's a, that's a great field to be talking about. Yeah. You need to get the book. Are there any nudges, Ben, that you've worked or implemented into your life since studying that? Oh, good question. So um, <laughs> I'm actually prototyping some behavior nudges for some of our physician leaders in the organization, particularly those who have just got into more administrative positions. So we're, we're prototyping some things still super early on, but really, really fun stuff to work on. Very cool. When we think about from the health system side, I'm really curious and really uh, glad to have your perspective here today because there's a lot of talk about strategic partnerships. And when we talk about all the digital health needs that we have now in health systems, we all know that there there are a lot and they grow by the day. So that old question of, do we build it? Do we buy it? Do we partner with somebody to provide that thing? It sounds like there's a lot of evolution there happening. And I want to hand it off to Zane at one point to be able to talk about with you, you know, what the opportunities are to innovate this. But let's start with kind of the the challenge itself, like what the status quo is here. So when we're talking about digital health needs, and we again we're taught we go through that that whole thought process of how do we do this? How do we accomplish this? Once we've finally gotten the business case done and we're like, yeah, that's an important thing. That's something the health system needs. Like that's only the beginning of the conversation. And from what I understand from where you feel about this, there's some evolution in terms of how you approach it. So what historically has been the the status quo of how health systems even approach digital health? That's a great question. I'd like to maybe narrow the focus just a little bit to digital health specifically in the area of what we like to call primary and on-demand care, just mm. just so for it's the conversation, helpful. I think that'll help for me. And, and that's also an area where I've done more research and, and so I can speak to it with a little bit more <laughs> certainty. So I'd say historically, the status quo has been that most healthcare systems have either built or bought their primary non-demand care assets, either through acquiring uh, primary care practices or building their own urgent care centers or freestanding emergency departments or employer clinics, or or even some, you know, years ago, some of the initial work done on, on some virtual platforms or maybe some chronic disease platforms that were done through maybe uh, their primary care medical group. That's typically been the paradigm that, uh, you know, health systems haven't really been afraid of some of these startup companies because they're getting birthed way out in a place called Silicon Valley and, sure. and you know, healthcare is local. They're not going to be here anytime soon. And, and we've got time to strengthen our position in the market before anyone arrives. But in the last few years, and then certainly with COVID, we've seen a massive acceleration of the trend towards virtual services and healthcare in many ways is still local, but I'm, I'm seeing the primary non-demand care market becoming much less local. You can get a lot of incredible services virtually now mm-hmm. um, from anywhere, from any company, not even you know located in your local geography. And so I'm unsure that health systems will be able to keep pace with demand. And what I mean by demand, it's not just from an access standpoint, but also what consumers demand from an experience standpoint. I know that's something you guys talk a lot about on this podcast and 
just some quick facts I wanted to touch on. 2020 was the biggest year in digital health funding ever. Rock Health recently came out with their year-end report and they reported something like 14 billion in digital health. And then if you add also any of the finance, you know, debt financing or public market financing that some of the companies got in 2020, it's more like 22 billion, which is just a crazy amount of money being invested in these, uh, in these startups. And I just don't see health systems across America spending $22 billion on new and better primary and on-demand care services. I don't know that that health systems have that capital, especially now with, you know, getting squeezed with COVID. Mm. And I think some of these other startups are, are just scaling a little bit too quickly for health systems to catch up. I think we're a little bit on our heels. There are some examples of health systems buying some of these startups, like a few years ago, uh, Peace Health out in the Northwest, they bought Zoom a few years ago. And there, there are certainly examples of health systems trying to build their own models. Like Spectrum had a practice called Strive that they were trying to grow and scale. I mean, Atrium Health, we had our own called Proactive Health. But anyway, so you know, historically, it, it's been kind of a build or buy type of paradigm, you know, especially if you're wanting to get faster to market and all of that. But I worry that that ship has sailed in a lot of markets and it's just uh, the threshold is just too high now to warrant spending the type of money that would be needed to achieve the same objective. I like what you're saying there, Ben. And, you know, one thing I'd add that I've seen on my end is as traditional healthcare providers through this pandemic, you know, and hospital systems have been focused on managing the pandemic, the inpatient crisis, the surges. It's almost allowed these startups, you know, that are focusing more on the primary care and virtual health space to run ahead. You can only have so much executive attention on big projects. And as, as you know, uh, managing the immediate uh, healthcare crisis has been the focus of most incumbents in the industry. And so they're, in, in my view, not in addition to the investment, there's also been sort of like this, this time that these startups have had just to run ahead because traditional health systems were, in my view, didn't have a whole lot of time to make decisions or a lot of focus. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, when you think about this in terms of what's keeping things from from changing or improving, I do like the thought of just things evolving. Like you said, like the way that things are going now with investments, uh, that's, that's fascinating to me because I think health systems don't necessarily... Again, just maybe just ones then ones that I'm familiar with, they don't tend to think that way, and and it seems like they need to. I mean, it seems like they they need to understand. That there's got to be some point where it seems like everyone is just where we want to get out from under the pandemic, where we are trying to start running ahead. We are starting to to want to say, okay, can we just focus on something else other than the <laughs> the day to day operations of the last twelve months, twelve to fourteen months? And God bless everyone, you know, who's been involved in those efforts. I mean, Zane's sitting here and has been involved with the vaccine efforts at at Henry Ford for man, like this this whole time. So I don't know, uh, Zane, when you even get sleep right now, but like, there's, I can only imagine, you know, how how much you guys are just like dying to, to yeah, let's, let's focus on something else right now. And so, hey, what can that cool thing be? And so, I'm hoping that's not the the thing that's drawing us to to try to innovate. You know, innovation still needs to come from the right place here. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, certainly needs to come from what the consumer is demanding, and uh, and not just what we think might be 
<laughs> flashy or exciting. It's got to be something that helps them make their make their desired progress. Absolutely. And you know, the other thing too, and I know we talked a little bit about it in the pre-show, Ben, is a lot of these startups not only can attract call it the financial capital, but it, I'm also seeing that they're able to attract the human capital. Yeah. And incumbent healthcare providers are having trouble, especially maintaining people like yourself who are young and brilliant and potentially millennial or Gen Z. And that's going to be a problem too. So even if you could get the money, can you attract the talent that has the skill set and acumen to build out, you know, whichever tools you're pursuing? Yeah, the, the skills needed to run and scale a startup are very unique and, and not often found in, in a legacy health system, just because, I mean, the name itself, legacy, I mean, the hospitals have been around for decades and the operations of a hospital are very different from a startup company. And so the schools of experience needed to be successful in doing that is, is just a little different, but, but I still think there's hope because I think there's still win-win opportunities where, you know, health systems can focus on their strengths and let the startups focus on their strengths. And so I think there's real opportunity there for I like innovation. That. Well, why don't we talk about that then? So where are opportunities and that health systems can innovate in the space to either, you know, become a better partner or be, or, or find a better process to make the decision on whether we build or buy? Yeah. And this is where I'm, I'm really encouraged. I, I don't want the, what I've said previously to be a downer to health systems. And I just think we need to be realistic about what has happened in the market. And I feel like when it comes to the opportunity for partnerships, I think it's best for the consumer to pursue partnerships with these companies as long as the health system can integrate the experience that startup provides in other areas of the healthcare system. Because uh, the, the consumer expectation is going to be that if I'm getting this great experience from a one medical primary care experience and I get referred to specialists or I have some type of procedure, I'm hoping for that same experience throughout all of my healthcare journey, not just in that primary care space. And so I think the value that health systems bring is the continuum, is the clinical assets that we have from birth to death that, you know, health systems maybe have more modular solutions where they're serving maybe just one or two jobs to be done. Whereas a health system, especially those that are, you know, full continuum providers are serving so many different kinds that they can create this sort of interdependent system that pulls in these modular pieces and then integrates them across the uh, the whole healthcare journey. And so I think there's lots of opportunity. I would provide some caution though. I, I think I wouldn't rule out entirely acquisition as a strategy. Sure. I think there, there may be opportunities that, that exist that uh, are, are unique. And if a health system has the type of capital and, and desires that speed to market, it could be a really great opportunity. But my, my one caution is how you integrate that startup company into your operations is going to make or break it. And when I say integrate, I actually mean don't integrate it at all. Mm. <laughs> if you acquire one of these companies and you want it to continue scaling and growing at the pace that it was, 
don't smother it. Don't try to integrate everything into the way that you operate. The reason that that startup was so successful is because it had a different business model. And so don't kill the goose that laid the golden egg by trying to reforge it in your own image. Let it be kind of a separate organization and let it do its own thing and make sure that it's aligned with your strategic interests, but let sure. it grow on the side and um, kind of keep it at arm's length. And that'd be my one my one uh, caution do, for if you do pursue an acquisition strategy. Have you seen that done well somewhere or have some like very practical tips on how one might accomplish that? I know mm-hmm. legacy providers are pretty bureaucratic. And so talking about you know how they might potentially change their leadership structure or which major forms have can be a significant challenge. But curious if you've seen anyone do it well. I don't have a lot of examples come to mind in the healthcare industry. Certainly, I think in, in other industries, they would be more prevalent. I, and the thing is, I, I hope my comments aren't perceived as like a knock on healthcare leadership because that's certainly not it. It's really just the realities of two very different business models. Sure, sure. And the way that a business model is organized is designed to provide the outcomes it is designed for. And, Absolutely. And so the way that one business model operates and the way that another one operates, both can be good at achieving their outcomes. But if you combine them and mix them too much, the, mm-hmm. the unique processes and priorities and value propositions are just going to get mixed up and messy and it's going to dilute the power of one or the other. So I guess that kind of moves us on to the call to action. Like, therefore, what should we do? And if building and buying if the threshold is much higher for pursuing those strategies and partnerships is, is maybe a better avenue than, than what should you do? What I think about is how can we as healthcare system leaders make us the most attractive partner mm-hmm. to those companies? And what I don't mean is, you know, don't concede too much. Don't, don't have it be a race to the bottom as you're negotiating with these companies, it's, it's not about that. Rather, be so good they can't ignore you. Especially if you're a health system in kind of a crowded market and there are other competitors that you have, like how can you demonstrate to them that you are the most attractive partner that makes the most sense to their consumers to be the one that will provide the best downstream consumer experience that will be consistent and integrated? What could you change about your decision-making process or, or how do you shorten the sales cycle? How do you integrate better along the value chain? How do you maybe have a team that could Sherpa the startups through some of the bureaucracy of your organization? I think all of those things- It's a great a, recommendation. Yeah, from a startup company perspective, like if they're looking at two organizations and one has those resources and another doesn't, the, the likelihood of them wanting to connect with you is that much higher? And question for you. So going back to sort of like the human side of all this, you know, one thing I've noticed is you know, some call them more seasoned executive leaders sometimes struggle having conversations with call it younger companies, less mature companies. And there's almost like a, a language that some of these startups use to talk about their business. There's a certain flashiness to it. Is there anywhere that more traditional healthcare leaders could go to get, I don't know if it's like a school on how to talk design, how to talk startup, but to learn the language and understand sort of the landscape of new, largely digital business models. Hmm, 
That's a great question. Maybe it's something we need to build. Yeah. Uh, Rock Health is a great place to start. Mm. They have incredible resources. Their newsletter is probably my all-time favorite. I read that one religiously. And they do a great job of keeping things short and concise, but also teaching the lingo as they go. I mean, there are plenty of books books out there and podcasts and things. You know, certainly listen to this podcast or, or to mine, to A Sherpa's Got an Innovation. I, I mean... Both of us, I think, touch on a lot of those topics. And I can't tell you how many meetings I've been to where I feel like I can sense almost from like a heart space that we're talking about the same thing, but we're using different terms. And sometimes that creates a little friction. And then I don't know if you you know this, Ben, but I'm actually Canadian and this list, some of our listenership increasingly is from Canada. And so we also spend a little bit of time talking about um, the innovation space over in Canada and certainly Canadians when they try to come to the U.S. with healthcare startups or so on and so forth certainly have their own language as well. And so I guess it's been something that's been on my list and Jared's list to solve for is like how do we from a cultural perspective get everyone talking the same language so that we can drive towards these partnerships that you're talking about and, and so eloquently outlaid for us. Yeah, well, I loved, uh, you know, reimagining how we reimagine things. You know, when, we, uh, when, when we get to the bottom of it all, uh, Ben, you've given us so much to think about here. I love these conversations. I mean, our goal is just to provide a little bit of provocative thinking for the innovators out there and digital teams and, and those who really can step right in, plug right in and, and start leading things in, in this direction. So I'm grateful for, uh, for you giving us a few minutes. All you listeners out there, if you are not yet, you need to subscribe to A Sherpa's Guide to Innovation. It's, it's great stuff. Absolutely. Uh, ben has that out uh, all the time. It's all over the place. So, Ben, thanks so much for giving us a few minutes. Stay safe, stay well, and uh, best of luck with all you have going on. Thank you so much, Jared Zane. This was a lot of fun. And uh, wish you guys the best with your podcast and highly recommend it as well. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness. Then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again.